Accutron Watches present. From New York City, this is the Accutron Show, a time travel through American culture with your hosts, Bill McCuddy, Scott Alexander, and David Graver. Visit AccutronWatch.com and discover the brand that has made American history with an all-new proprietary next-generation electrostatic energy movement. Accutron. It's not a timepiece. It's a conversation piece. You know, when, when I got married in uh, 2013, my dad gave me a watch that, that his mother-in-law, you know, my mother's mother, who I never met, she died before I was born, and then... um. She gave my dad a watch when, on the day he got married, and it was an Accutron watch. The person you heard at the top of the show is today's guest. He's Brooklyn-based artist Michael Kagan, and he's here to talk about his work and collaborations with the music and fashion industry. He's also kind of out there, kind of out in space. <laughs> First up, me, Bill McCuddy, out in space, along with Scott Alexander and editor David Graver, here to talk in a brand new episode of The Accutron Show. Stay tuned. Michael joins us right after this. This podcast is presented by Accutron Watches. Visit our website, accutronwatch.com, and discover our iconic Space View 2020 collection, recreating the stunning visual impact of the original open dial design combined with an all-new electrostatic energy movement. Time just changed again. The Accutron Space View 2020. Today we're going to a place in outer space called Brooklyn. <laughs> and we're going to meet, we're gonna meet uh, an artist who has made a name or a career for himself painting lots of different things, but uh, primarily uh, astronauts and going into space. A friend of yours, uh, Michael Kagan. Indeed. I think actually one of the most important attributes about Michael's work is that you can easily point it out in a gallery or an art show. His thick, expressive lines and his subject matter, these race cars or astronauts, it's so detectable. You're like, that is a Michael Kagan. That is a Michael Kagan. Mm. And you just, you have, you can, to easily understand his work makes you sort of love his work. Is it kind of photorealistic? Is it? Uh... It's inspiration is photorealism, but he, he gets impressionistic with it. He, he leans into his own style. I wonder what he thinks of all the new technology that's influencing a great many artists. We'll ask him about that because he's dealing with tech. Mm. Uh, and and I wonder, too, if... We're also dealing with space. We love space. We yeah. do love space. Right? Did you, it's did the Accutron you... show. We put things in the space. Did, did, and the... did you draw astronauts as a kid? I definitely drew astronauts. Oh, my God. All I wanted to do was go to space. This is before I found out the space is super boring and super <laughs> wants to kill you. Very quiet. Um, space but I, wants I was to like, kill you. Like, and the, no, no one can hear you scream. No one can yeah. hear you scream yeah. and all those things. No, but like the romantic idea of space for a kid is like going to this frontier and then like there's going to be aliens and there's going to be these beautiful green ladies. And, and things like this, and you're like, I will be the one to kiss her for science. Like the, I never thought that. You've seen way too many Star Trek. <laughs> never thought that. But but then but then you know the reality of it is is that it is difficult and dangerous, and I think that's actually a little bit like the art world. It's like you romanticize the idea of like, oh, I want to be an artist, and like, sure you do. You want to live by your creative work. Well, you know what? It's difficult to do and it's a high wire act and you are living on the edge when you're doing that so I have incredible respect for anybody who he's got some work. famous collecting friends that mm. are big fans of his work and some of them with Pharrell and Pharrell his, who, who? Uh, yeah, Pharrell. <laughs> <laughs> you know the happy guy Madonna um, who <laughs> Madonna, Madonna. 
Uh, yes, the, he he hobnobs with famous people, and today he's talking to the likes of us. It's also an appropriate episode because of the fact that Accutron has the astronaut watch coming out, which mm. throws back to the watch they released in 1962, that Bulova released in 1962, that was sort of destined for space, but ended up as a huge commercial success. Every now and then we become a huge commercial as well. And, uh, <laughs> and this just happens to tie in perfectly with him. Uh, and we'll ask him about uh, anything he knows about space watches. Michael Kagan is an artist and he joins us from Brooklyn uh, in just a moment on the Accutron Show. Don't go away. This podcast is presented by Accutron Watches. Accutron is proud to bring back the 1968 T version of the iconic astronaut model, featuring a distinctive day-night bezel and limited to 300 timepieces. Visit our website, accutronwatch.com, to learn more. Michael Kagan, welcome to the Accutron Show. We're uh, thrilled to talk to you because I think we discussed at the top of the show, we all drew astronauts as kids and never figured out how to make any money. <laughs> what, what, what was the turning point for you? Um, well, I mean, you know, what's funny is, um, I mean, I, I'll, I'll kind of go backwards, but, you know, when I started doing astronaut paintings and it was kind of for what was going to be my first show in New York City, and this was probably like 2010 maybe, my dad said to me, he's like, who the hell's going to buy astronaut painting? <laughs> and then, um, I mean, and from there, that's kind of how I created a name for myself in the art world was with these astronaut paintings. And, um, I mean, I was always into space growing up. I went to space camp actually with my dad, I went to space camp and I, you know, did uh, rocket model launches and stuff like that. And I knew the history about it. And then, um, you know, I, I after grad school, I had a residency and then um, I was doing all different types of painting, but I really like to use like this like thick kind of expressive brush mark. So, you know, when I finally had a studio to myself and I was just like, okay, what do I want to paint for myself? Like, what would I want to hang up on my wall if I kept my paintings? You know, what do I enjoy? And, um, and uh, you know, so I started doing these astronaut paintings because <clears throat> I felt like I was like worthy of it because I knew the history so well. And I didn't feel like I was just doing it because it was trendy or because I thought it looked cool. I felt like, okay, I know the history of it. I grew up learning a lot about it. So I'm going to do one. I'm going to do two. I'm going to do three. And then, um, you know, I was trained, at, you know, representational painting. I went to grad school at New York Academy of Art. So I know I knew human anatomy and I knew how to paint representational imagery. So um, it was kind of just like, you know, I always say when I lecture at different grad schools and stuff, it's like, it's like when you get dressed or someone's style or anything else, like if you force it, it will be obvious if you kind of just let it naturally happen then and it seems genuine then you know it always works out i think for the best so um you know it's just kind of like all the pieces were there and i started doing these astronaut paintings and um yeah and then here i am today <laughs> michael you touched upon something that i find very intriguing the these expressive brush strokes that sort of define your style how did you develop this signature style of yours i mean it's you know it's just the way i you know i paint from uh photo photographs, you know, a lot of historical photographs, and it's just the way that I break things up. And, you know, I, I, I think I secretly want to be an abstract painter, but, um, you know, if, if you cut a little section out of one of my paintings, it would look like a little abstract painting, but it's all these brush marks that kind of work together in like a jigsaw type of puzzle to form, you know, what, when you see it from five, six feet away, it looks like a photographic image. And as you walk up closer, it really falls apart. And I mean, it's like the same thing I was saying just now about style. It's, it's just the way I, I paint and I'm not trying to paint that way. I'm not, I can't paint really, uh, really tight and, um, 
like super tight. It's just kind of the way that it just happens. And with my more recent paintings, you know, I find I start, I'm painting with a lot uh, tighter, more um, still a flurry of brushstrokes, but a little bit tighter. So it actually gets more photographic, the image, and more um, a little, you know, a little bit more information. But, um, you know, I've made some paintings over the summer and they were a little looser. So I feel like it just kind of like whatever happens, happens. You kind of, I mean, oil painting's tricky. You kind of have to just kind of like, you're at its mercy a little bit, you know, you can control it up to a point, which is kind of the beauty of oil paint. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's just, it's always you're kind in of good company. Cause this is the same thing. You get too close to it and it falls. Apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, like anything, if you, uh, if you overdo it, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna get, uh, it's gonna get, um, too, 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 too overdone. So, so Michael, you clearly have been, uh, interested in space for a very long time. What is it about, uh, space, space ex- travel and exploration that interests you? I mean, I, I like, I mean, a lot of the imagery, like I bounced around with my space imagery for a while. And then for the most part with the astronaut paintings I've been doing, that's been more the Apollo imagery because it's, it's so like iconic. It's so classic. Um, a lot of these guys, especially when they were on the moon, you know, they had the big Hasselblad cameras on their chest. They knew they were being photographed. Um, and it was so new to everyone in the world that it was kind of like this, like, kind of like, it's kind of like hero, kind of like the stance. And uh, and I kind of like this, Um, I mean, I like the kind of like, you know, I've done big paintings of Everest and uh, of like the um, Death Zone Mountains. And I've done some paintings of uh, big wave surfing. And, I, you know, I kind of all like this kind of like, these kind of like aha moments, but it's like for a split second. And at the end of the day, like these guys on the moon, they're just, you know, there's no audience. You know, the audience is from the photo or watching on TV, but they're there on their own. And it's kind of like, you know, it's these like death defying moments. And then, um, you know, and with my paintings too, I'm trying not to, you know, I'm really, I enjoy seeing narrative painting. Like one of my favorite painters is Eric Fischl, but I really try to stay away from it. When I paint, I'd rather, I like big snapshots. So even like my big mountain paintings, you know, if you were in a crowded room and you saw my painting in the distance, you you would just be like you and you just glance over someone's shadow, uh, shoulder it'd be like boom that's a mountain you know same for the astronauts boom that's an astronaut you know central figure just standing there not too much background information and um you know I've done big paintings of cockpits and the cool thing is is like you know some of my collectors are big tech guys some are just art collectors and painting collectors and you know some people love them for the for the um the brushworks. Some of them just like because of the imagery and some actually know the history behind the image and really geek out on that. You know, like I had, um, I had a big mountain climber that has climbed like K2 and Everest in my studio. And he was looking at this really, I mean, this painting I did of K2 was super abstract. And he's like, oh, he's like, that's where I camped out on base camp right on that ledge. And that ledge was just like a squeegee brush mark. But the way I was abstracting it, you know, he knew that point on the mountain, but it was just a flurry of brush marks. And then the same thing, like I, I've done these big cockpit paintings and I've had guys from uh, SpaceX and and, um, and uh, Virgin Galactic in the studio. And the same thing, they're like, oh, we love that cockpit in the, because, you know, they, they're pointing out specifics. And it's pretty cool when I'm just like, you know, painting these abstract brush marks and it's all coming together. And I know what a lot of stuff is, but um, but it's kind of like I'm, I'm always learning more and more. So for the record, you think we've been to the moon. I mean, I have, you know, it's funny. I, I have some, I have some, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to name drop because I won't get anyone in trouble, but I have some collectors that, um, 
that, you know, they're like conspiracy theorists and they're like, I don't think, you know, and they have some of my best astronaut works, but they're like, I don't, I don't think we've been there. Yeah, that's where I was going with that. I mean, I, the other thing that's really interesting about a lot of the guys who walked on the moon, I saw in a documentary is that they came back and they became painters. Yeah. 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 Alan Bean, who I'm actually, I mean, I have to see if I can tilt this up a little bit. It's this a small painting I'm making for a, for freeze LA. And, uh, he became quite the painter uh, uh, when he got, and his paintings are great, which is cool because yeah. he's painting from his experience. And then, um, and I'm good friends with uh, a retired astronaut, Leland Melvin, who's become a close friend of mine. And he's, um, I mean, he'd be someone great to have on your show. Um, but, uh, but he, uh, he, he's a big photographer and he, you know, he shoots from space and he shoots here and, and it's pretty interesting. And it, you know, his photography changed a lot since he's been, in space, just the way he views shooting stuff here as well. Sure. Um, Michael, yeah. you started to talk about something that I find very fascinating, having followed your career for more than a decade now. You have amassed collectors. I began seeing small shows of yours, and then I've seen you in art fairs around the country. How did, how did you emerge as an artist? How did you build a collector base? And how did you end up with such solid gallery representation? I mean, I like to think that I, like... I've gone like slow and steady. Like I'm in this, you know, when I talk to different dealers or collectors, like I'm in this for the, the long game. So I've tried to make very careful decisions. And, you know, I moved to New York right out of grad school in 2003. And I went to grad school and I was like, okay, I'm a painter. What do I want to do? I want to, I want to go to grad school because, you know, that's the next step. And then from there, I thought, okay, I'm going to teach painting because I'm going to get my master's in art. And then, um, you know, I had professors like, you know, I, Will Cotton. I was really fortunate enough to work with like Fischl and Jenny Seville. And then, you know, I'm seeing some of these studios and some of these shows and I'm going to Chelsea, to, you know, and, I'm, and, you know, the center of the art world is here. So you're seeing all these shows and I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I just want to, you know, I want to be a showing artist. So, um, you know, it's, it, it kind of snowballed. It's like, you know, it's like when you don't see someone for a while and, you know, or, you know, these, or, I mean, it's like, sorry, if it's like if you see someone every day and they're like, they slowly change their appearance, you're not going to realize right away. So I went like really slowly with it. You know, like I had one or two paintings and some group shows that did well. I kept on working. I had some paintings and then finally I got offered a solo show and it did well. Um, I was kind of asked to do the solo show knowing that Mark Parker from Nike was interested in my work. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, like anything in the art world, you're just like, you know, like you're hedging your bets. So like Mark Parker was sort of interested in my work. I made my first large scale astronaut painting, my first full scale astronaut painting. Um, he, he bought Can it. You for, put a little swish on the, uh, yeah, no, I mean, he bought it for his, boot. he bought it for his collection. I went in and met with them. Um, you know, that was my first like major sale into like a, to a major collector. Um, you know, I was asked to do another solo show and, um, I, I was doing this huge painting of, um, the Mercury seven astronauts. And it felt like a really ambitious painting, like, uh, like to get it out of the studio where I was working, they had to take the hinges off the door and they had to take the door, the hinges off the door to the gallery. And, um, and I knew this was going to be like this epic logistical nightmare just to get the painting in the gallery. So like halfway, and I, the painting was also very challenging for me because it's these seven, you know, that famous picture of the Mercury seven astronauts It's seven portraits more or less. And I'm not a portrait painter. Um, you know, and then everyone knows that photo. So you have to give it the likeness of each astronaut. So you're working with like seven different faces. And if you mess one up, the painting doesn't work. So you have these like seven epic challenges. And, um, I always say paint to your strengths. And this was not to my strengths. Um, so I'm working on this painting and like halfway through, I'm like, I'm going to abandon this. And then, um, I told the gallery and the gallery was like, listen, we didn't want to tell you, but there's this 
there's this uh, Japanese collector that he knows about that you're making this painting. And if you finish it, he's pretty much first in line. I can't, there's no guarantees in life, but I think he would, would, would buy it. So I'm like, Ooh, you know, this is my moment. So, um, you know, I pull these all nighters in the studio. I finished the painting. Um, I actually finished the painting in the, uh, gallery because they couldn't move it in with wet edges. So I had to finish the background like the day before the show. I mean, I would never try anything like that now. I mean, look back that I would do these things. It's nuts. Um, so then, um, so then I finished the painting and it's like, ah, I finished. And then, um, like a week goes by and nothing, two weeks go by and nothing. And then, um, he, this Japanese collector, uh, who's Yuza Kamazawa, who's the one that bought, you know, all the seats to on the SpaceX rocket. He comes in like full entourage and, um, he bought the painting for his collection, um, commissioned me a new, another astronaut painting. So, I mean, the reason I'm telling these stories about Mark Parker and Mazawa, I mean, I was very fortunate early on to have very good collectors support my career. And, um, I think that gave other galleries and other collectors confidence um, to give me the next show. And, um, and I was also very careful. I've always been careful how I plan my shows and how, and, and how I, um, and the imagery I paint. And I try to, um, I mean, I don't paint extremely fast. I mean, I don't paint slow. I don't paint fast, but you know, there's not like an overflow of painting. So what's, you know, like I have no available work right now, except what I'm working on and what's up for the next show. So there's a little bit of supply and demand. And then, um, so, and then, you know, my, um, it kind of led to that where I've, you know, the, uh, Andy Hall Hall collection bought some of my work. Um, you know, and it, and it, it, all this kind of, I had my first museum show in 2019 and uh, all my big collectors loaned work back, which is kind of like, you know, it's like when you have a wedding or like, you know, you have a big moment in your life, like who's going to come, who, who's going to come to that event. And I was just like, wow, I really built up a really nice, group of supportive collectors, <laughs> this room? you know, and the, that they all loaned my work back and it was my, the best of the best work. And then I was seeing the catalog and it was all from this great group of collectors. So I was, it was kind of nice that, you know, sometimes you can't get work back. Sometimes you lose track of where it is. So, um, so I had my museum show and then, um, I mean, to back up a little bit, I had, um, after my first solo show, um, Pharrell Williams, who is, uh, from this Virginia beach where I was born, uh, he reached out and he wanted to do a collaboration. So, um, you know, I've done a lot of collaborations that are kind of like either fashion or, you know, outside of the traditional painting world that I really enjoyed. And, um, and Pharrell wasn't, that wasn't a space image, right? That was something. No, the first time we did, we did uh, space imagery. He, we did a couple of different paintings on different clothes it did really well. So with Pharrell, it was the space imagery, I'm guessing. Yeah, for his, he, ha- saying. He, has a, <laughs> he has a brand called Billionaire Boys Club. And um, we did we did a capsule collection. Of, and then we did a second one. He wrote the Ford for my museum catalog. Um, I mean, I'm kind of rambling, but I feel like it's always been these like careful decisions. Um, kind of, you know, that support the, my big picture goals. And like, I've always had a pretty good... Um, idea of where I want my career to head and what kind of painter I want to be. And I've always made sure, I mean, I've gotten out of some different relationships in the professional relationships because I felt like it wasn't going to move my career in the right direction. And then, um, and then I've made sure I've surrounded myself with both collectors and dealers that have the same big picture. I do work and put me on the trajectory that I'm shooting for. And then, um, you know, I, you know, I've lived in New York for 20 years. I would say like, I've been, a, I mean, I've always been a painter, but I've always, but I feel like as far as like really showing, it's probably been 10 years. So I feel like it's kind of early, but it's also, you know, I'm 42. So I feel like every decision needs to be careful. 
And then, um, and you know, the art world, the art world moves fast, but it's like, you know, I was going over my schedule with the two different galleries I work with. And like, we're talking about 2026 already and, and stuff is laid out till then, you know, and then I'm looking at the canvases. Okay. This needs to be done. This, this needs to be done here. Um, so, you know, you know, I like it. It's enjoyable. You know, I like that. I'm like in the studio by myself making work. I'm responsible for what gets out there. You know, I, I've been doing some sculptures, but my sculptures are made in Spain. But as far as painting goes, I'm the only one touching the canvas. I have no assistance working on the paintings. When, so much of your work uh, feels like it has to do with the edges of things, going to space, the frontiers, um, being on the big waves, being out there sort of at the edge of creation in, in, in a certain way. Is there something, anything you do to keep yourself in that sort of edge space, in that creative uh, ferment? I mean, as far as like painting goes, like, you know, my, my brushstrokes are very abstract. They're very like deliberate. So I, I try, you know, I have this like kind of rule in my head, like you don't double back. So like, you know, I'm not going to start like fussing around too much with an area. Like I lay down a stroke, I'll pull a stroke through it and I'll keep like, you know, if it's like a nozzle on an um, astronaut suit, I'll start building up the strokes to do that. But I'm not going to like scrape it out and start again. I'm just trying to like use these right. deliberate strokes to pull through. And because I feel like, you know, I've had some really just like days where I feel off in the studio, but I'm still laying down those strokes. And I've had some days where I feel like every brushstroke I do is fire and I'm just like on a roll. And um, on, especially on some of these bigger paintings, you can't just paint every day where you think it's going to work out. You just have to paint every day. But I like that it all kind of works together, um, you know, good and bad. No, no going back. back. No going back on the canvas. So, yeah, with these paintings, you know, I'm working on these areas and um you know, I'm not thinking about like the area I painted yesterday or the area I'm going to work on tomorrow. You know, I'm just trying to like weave in these strokes and really with this like confidence, you know, I use these flat brushes. I'm just trying to do like boom, boom, boom with these like movements. I make sure I stand up when I paint. And then, um, but back to that hundred foot wave documentary, you know, he's going down the face of the wave and he's just like, when you're going down, you can't think about like, you know, the, the past, the future. You're just like this like moment you're in. And I really try to, I mean, it's, it's hard to get their painting. I mean, some days are easier than others, but I really try to get in this, you know, it's like anything you do. It's like running. It's like playing sports. You're really trying to get to this moment where you're thinking and not thinking, you know, you're not overthinking. You're just kind of like in the moment, in the present. Um, I mean, maybe that's going to be my life's work. I mean, I mean, David knows my wife, but you know, she's into yoga. She's a designer and she's been, you know, kind of like helping me try to get there with some, you know, different ideas, but, um, but, you know, trying to be just present in life, you know, it's, you need to really be present when you paint too. Um, and I want to be, you know, with these brush strokes, but then I feel like, I mean, you know, the same thing. I mean, maybe that's a different idea. I never even thought of until I was just talking to you guys with the, uh, you know, these astronauts and stuff like that. I mean, it's like, you know, they have these like split second moments and, it, you know, to be present in that moment is like next level. Yeah. We are appreciating that you were present with us. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to learn about the gallery world. Does that still even exist? Uh, I can't believe everything isn't handled over some kind of a... Uh, it's all on Zoom. <laughs> it's trying to be anyway. Uh, Michael Kagan, uh, more with him after this break in the Accutron Show. This podcast is presented by Accutron Watches. Visit our website, AccutronWatch.com and discover our legacy collection. Reviving some of the most memorable Accutron watches from the 60s and 70s, the legacy collection combines 
timeless design with the technical excellence of Swiss watchmaking, each limited to 600 individually numbered pieces. The Accutron Legacy Collection, inspired by the past, built for the future. Welcome back to the Accutron Show. If you're an aspiring artist, I hope you're taking notes because uh, Michael Kagan is telling us all about what he does, right down to the strokes, uh, how <laughs> how his own gallery became unhinged at one time, and, uh, and basically uh, what inspires him. So welcome back, Michael. Thank you. Michael, you take a lot of inspiration from technology. How do you feel about technology's influence on art, specifically with these AI programs that are generating visuals? I mean, as far as like me, as far as making art, like I always, I think you should use the technology that you have at your disposal. So, um, I mean, as far as my own practice, you know, I project my images when I lay them out, you know, cause it makes things faster. You know, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm really, really good at Photoshop. So I Photoshop my own reference images, you know, I, you know, I'll change colors around, I'll change the background, I'll edit things out, edit, put things in. And then, um, you know, I've been doing sculpture now for about two years. And with the sculpture, it's really fun because, you know, I'm working with 3D designers who work in my studio part time. And then we're doing, um, we're doing 3D printed maquettes. And then we're, um, we're doing large scale 3D prints. And then we're casting from the 3D prints. And we're using some very high tech fun stuff we're laser cutting stone you know we're doing really neat stuff um so i feel like i feel like you know you got it with anything in life that you do you should use the technology at your disposal um and then um but do you feel like something like mid-journey and these these machines that are making art based on prompts are they interfering in the artist process i don't think so because i feel like at the end of the day like the anything of quality will float to the surface you know, and, and then like, you know, like we'll, we'll you know, we'll, we'll rise above, you know, uh, the, um, you know, two of my collectors are the Winklevoss twins. And, you know, I was the first on their NFT platform, Nifty Gateway. So mm -hmm. I know I was doing NFTs when no one even knew what they were. And then, um, I mean, this was like 2018. And then, um, and then, you know, I, I did, I think I did my third release when with, with uh, Nifty Gateway when, NFTs had become really like, you know, all over the news and everything. And, you know, people were kind of saying, oh, you're going to jump into that. Now I was like, I've been doing this for years. And then, um, and the same thing with NFTs, I think, you know, the, anything of quality will rise to the top, you know? So I feel like it's any, with anything else with painting with anything. So, yeah. Rise to the top and also like persevere and keep on going. We're trying, brother. I got more questions. Calm down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what about the traditional gallery model, as we were alluding yeah, to? Yeah, I mean, you you talked about uh, how you did it, how you started, how you went to the galleries. You were thinking of teaching, and then you saw, no, no, this is what I want to do. And and then started I, making NFTs. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't it, – how is it for somebody just starting out today? Do they still get seen in galleries first, or are, are they getting exposure on – in some digital format? I mean, I think Instagram helps because it's purely visual. So what better way to scroll and see tons of work or openings or tag people or get people's attention? You know, it, it, you know, Instagram is, is kind of a fun tool. I mean, I, you know, I always like the gallery world. You know, I, I like, you know, during the pandemic, most shows were online, virtual, you know, rooms to see. Um, a lot of sales happened over PDF, which they still do. But um, I still think there's something like, 
classic and amazing about like hanging that painting. Like the painting, I always say, has like three different lives. It has like in the studio and then in the gallery and then wherever it goes from there to the collection. And I feel like that gallery hang and that install is like so important. I mean, that's like when you can really make work, communicate with with different pieces and, you know, someone can stand in that room and see it, you know, and it's hanging in front of them on a clean white wall, perfectly lit. Um, yeah, I feel like, I feel like, you know, some artists make it selling out of their studio and that, that's exciting for them. You know, some artists just sell, do commission based work and that's great. Some do more, you know, installations, public installations, different types of things. And that's, that's great. I mean, I don't think there is a wrong art world, you know, it's just, it depends what, you know, is, is for them, for me you know, the gallery world is where I want to show my paintings. Um, it's one of the reasons, I mean, I love New York City. I'm never leaving. You know, I think New York City is, 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 I wouldn't say it's the center of the art world, but it's definitely one of them. You know, I think there's other cities that can closely compete, but um, gallery world's special. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, and it's, you know, and I feel like it's like as big as it is, it's also a small, small group too. Everyone knows each other. I mean, you know, David's pretty well versed in it. I mean, he knows a lot of the same people I know just from the art world and it's a, and it's a big place. And, um, and I think for the most part, it's actually surprisingly pretty friendly place. You know, I feel like there's other industries that are more cutthroat and, um, I'm not saying there all isn't, but I feel like, well, there's a lot of, it's a snake pit to a certain extent. If, if there's an, an unscrupulous gallery owner, who's like trying to build somebody up and pumping and dumping, but, uh, I mean, there's all different types of move. I mean, as much as I love painting, I also love the business aspect of it. You know, I do like that a lot. And I like working with dealers and I like, I like the two galleries I'm working with now a lot because I think we have the same vision and the same game plan. And then, um, and then, um, but yeah, I feel like, and then, and, you know, I feel like, I feel like if you want to be part of the gallery world as an artist and you really want to go for it, I feel like, I feel like it's, it, you just go for it and you, you learn about it. You educate yourself about it. And I mean, you know, New York Academy or where I went, I feel like um, when I graduated in 2005, I, you know, from a class of 60, every year, year there were probably two or three people that would show at galleries. Now I feel that number's gone up. I mean, I still see some amazing artists from New York Academy that are really, um, that are really like hitting it right out of the gate, going to some major galleries. So I feel like it's just like putting yourself in the right city in the right way. You know, it's just, you know, a handful of stuff. It sounds like you do think the gallery model will persevere over time. Always. It's time. Get it? Time. It's a, it's a show about watches. It's the Accutron show. Um, you mentioned earlier off the air that you have a connection to Accutron, actually. Oh, yeah. Could you talk a little bit about Yeah, that? I mean, I was thinking about it. I actually thought about it the other day because, um, you know, when, when I got married in uh, 2013, my dad gave me a watch that, that his mother-in-law, you know, my mother's mother, who I never met. She died before I was born. And then um, she gave my dad a watch when, on the day he got married, and it was an Accutron watch. And he gave and he gave me that watch the day I got married, and it's like a gold Accutron watch. You know, it has that classic kind of square, square kind of rounded edge shape. And um, you know, I still you know, and I have like you know, I wear some more bigger watches, not big, but you know, more like you know, like steel banded bracelets and stuff. Uh, it's it's not you know, it's this classic gold watch on a black leather band, but that's like my uh, you know, I that's like my tuxedo dress watch that I wear. Well, we have an astronaut watch coming out. We talked about it at the top of this episode, so we'll have to. Uh, We'll send you a picture of that. Uh, no, we'll, we'll, to, we'll maybe have to get you one of those. Uh, it's uh, it's it's great. Uh, it's great when that when those things kind of cross over. And uh, I, I'm a big collector of the older pieces myself. 
and uh, they're they're really cool. And I think the the space connection is, is makes it perfect for you. Um, what are you working on next? What do you what do you what's in the gallery now that you can tell us a little bit about, or what's on what's on the easel? I just had some. Um, I just had two new works, two big works at uh, our Basel, Miami. Um, it was the first painting that I showed. I started to work with uh, the gallery, the gallery of Venus over Manhattan, and uh, they have two spaces in New York City. And my next solo show will be with Venus in May, and that show is actually going to be all Formula One paintings. And I, I've, I've dabbled in Formula One. I've done some Formula One paintings here and there. And um, the, my first full-scale race car driver, which was uh, Verstappen, uh, was in Basel, Miami, with Venus, and then in May. That will be my first uh, solo. It will actually be my first solo show in New York. I think I haven't done a solo show in New York in about five years on purpose. I kind of wanted to kind of like, you know, I've done Japan. I've done Hong Kong, Brussels. I just had a big show in London. And then um, this was, I wanted to wait until I found a good fit in New York. And um, the owner, Adam Lindman, and I have um, become good friends. And then, uh, and Venus is, I feel like a really good fit. Scott's right. You're you're always on the edge. You're never going to do a bowl of fruit, are you? <laughs> no, 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 no bowls of fruits. No, no flower. No flowers. Bowls of fruit are at risk of like flying into a barrier or losing their oxygen. Maybe a pear next to the moon. Maybe a a, a, a tangerine. Uh, my, my girls always request Barbies. They're like, paint me a Barbie. No, bar no, no Barbies. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, listen, uh, we we are thrilled that uh, that you're a fan of Accutron, that uh, that you enjoy the world of space, that uh, you're exposing people to it with your work, uh, that you're work you're a working artist in in New York. You're not leaving this city, and that's encouraging as well. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today on the Accutron show. We will continue to watch for your work, uh, and uh, we will hope that uh, you'll look for ours too. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very Thanks, much. Mike. Thank you for listening to The Accutron Show. To listen to all of our shows, visit AccutronWatch.com. To learn more about the world of Accutron, follow us on Instagram at AccutronWatch and subscribe to our podcast. From New York City, until next time, Accutron Time.